Hello and welcome to the Our Community Lessons podcast. My name is Adam Salgat and with me today is Sarah Weisbart, leader of alumni enrichment and Mary Margaret Thomas, facilitator in Aspen, Colorado. Welcome to the podcast. So Sarah, today's topic is parenting. Uh, I have a three-year-old and a 10-month-old. I'll be honest, I was really excited to be a part of this podcast because I would love any tips you two wonderful women can give me on how to raise powerful, loving, and respectful ladies in the workplace. So, or not just the workplace, but in the world. So Sarah, go ahead, take it away. Adam, I know our listeners um, have had a, heard a lot of stories uh, about my family and about my son, and I'm excited for them to hear about Mary Margaret's um, impact in her family and in her son's life with our community listen skills. But before we go to those great stories that are going to help us improve the lives of our kids and our relationships with them, Mary Margaret, I just think our listeners would really enjoy hearing a little bit about you your background, your experience, and how you came to be a part of our community listens. Super. Um, I feel like I have a relatively unique contribution in that my background is with horses. I have been a horse trainer and clinician, equine clinician in Aspen um, for 25 years. Um, The Chapman family were clients of mine for many years And it was just, um, gosh, it had to be close to seven years ago when they had a little gelding that was um, relatively problematic. He had some issues and behaviors that weren't particularly safe. And so it was my job to see if I could kind of turn him around and get him on the same page and make him relatively safe for what the Chapmans wanted to do with him. That's so incredibly interesting. I'm actually having this like relatable image about sometimes how we maybe feel about our our kids and concerns that we have about them and and behaviors that they have. And we're hoping to turn them around um, maybe with our engagement with them and our relationships with them. Yeah. And it starts with just an understanding of, you know, kind of one of the unique things that I bring to our community listens is the nonverbals. And I absolutely adore those because that's how horses talk to one another is entirely through nonverbals. And it's very rare that it's actual physical contact as well. They can have full conversations with their body language from 100 yards away. And so my job was to work in a round pen, which is an enclosed area with this horse to try to get him to think in a more positive way and to exhibit safer behaviors. And Bob and Cynthia Chapman often had friends and family around when I was working with this horse. And since I had done clinics in the past, I was really comfortable having people there and having people ask questions and happy to communicate what it was I was doing. Because oftentimes when you're working in a situation with that animal and you're not saying a lot verbally and you're having that conversation, it doesn't look like you're doing anything. So it's good <laughs> to be able to explain, yes, I am. In fact, this is what I'm saying. This is what they're saying and that sort of thing. And so it was really fun to be able to explain that new philosophy to new people. And Bob, I would take for rides as well. And there was one day Bob was in a suit and he came out when I arrived and I was like, you don't look like you're ready to ride, Bob. And he said, <laughs> Oh, I got to go to St. Louis. And I said, okay, we'll have a good time. No, can you come with me? And I was like, what do you mean come with you? No, I I have a family. I have a business. I can't come with you. Well, there's this class I want you to take. And then I want you to teach it. I was like, 
what are you talking about? And so my initial reaction to that was I thought it was um, like a corporate team building thing where you have the horse there and you would have your employees come and learn about communicating and establishing pecking order with horses, but it was nothing like that. <laughs> wow. So did, did you pack up and go to St. Louis? <laughs> no, I have another life. Like I said, time, I had probably 12 or 14 horses in a training program and employees and my husband and my stepson and my son and a dog and you know I couldn't just pick up and leave but eventually you did I did um shortly thereafter it was offered in Aspen um and it was an educator's class and there were a great number of uh Aspen city employees a lot of police and uh city of Aspen and so it was a really fun and sort of intimate group to be a part of when I initially I uh, was a participant in OCL in the communication class. Yeah. Must have been incredible to use your your skills that you've already developed, certainly with your horses and from your background in being able to connect with a wide variety of people in that first class and probably pick up on a lot of things that maybe others weren't even noticing yet. Yeah, I definitely look for nonverbals in people and it's pretty natural for me to do so. And I enjoy different varieties of social situations. And if nothing else, it's always sort of a fun social experiment for me. <laughs> so you've been facilitating now with our community listens for how long? Um, so that was seven years ago in July that I took the class. So I started the training that winter and did the certification in the spring. So it's been six and a half years, almost seven years since I started teaching. And you've facilitated a lot of classes in that time period. Yeah, I think 40 is wow. my grand total as of yet. Wow. What would you say um, the impact of the experience of the class and then facilitating the class has, has been on you? I think the biggest impact is in my family. I come from a large family. Um, I have six siblings and my husband and my son and my stepson. It's been great to have this. I feel like I have an extra sort of cheater uh, toolbox that I can pull out when my son has problems or issues at school or with friends in that area. And I, it's interesting because a lot of his teachers in the Aspen School District have taken class and a lot of them have taken class from me. So it gave me the first time I ever had clout with my child. So clout with your child is great thing to have. And then sometimes he, if he, he's a, an athlete and he gets out of school early and if I'm teaching in Aspen, he will come by the classroom and sort of hang in and listen to class, which is really interesting to have him see me what I what see me in a professional light, what I do for a living. When he has problems and issues, he'll accuse me of using my therapy voice at times. <laughs> and then he'll also often say, you know, that, that stuff you teach in class that doesn't work on kids. Mm. I'll say, hmm, tell me more about that. <laughs> and in fact, get to practice my listening with him and learn all kinds of things. 
Wow. So I'm hearing a, a variety of aspects, actually. It's almost like you've been able to create an environment through his teachers, the educators that you've been able to engage with, with your entire family, and then you know, specifically with your son that you've created this whole environment of like, this is how we talk to each other. And this is how we treat one another. This is how we interact. Um, Even him coming to be able to see you do what you do. I know with my son, it's really quite humorous when people be in social situations and say to me, oh, what is it that you do? He snickers because (laughs) I I can't possibly explain what it is that my mom does. So I'm going to wait curiously and see what her answer actually is. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, it's, it's great. And oftentimes he'll sort of sit back. He'll have his like after class, after school snack and he'll be listening. And after people leave, he'll go, people think you're funny, mom. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I know it seems really unique to you, but people do sometimes think mom's funny. But, uh, you know, and then that's how I really feel like we need to, in our community listens, while we're listening to people, they need to feel welcome. And and that's my way of helping to get people to feel comfortable in a new situation with class and, and with life in general. Even though it's a small valley, we often have people almost regularly in class who don't know anybody, who don't know each other. And so it's nice. I feel it's important that they feel warm and welcome and common and, and um, get to enjoy the three days that we spend with them. Yeah. Cause it's really beyond a training. It's, yeah. it's an experience for these people and yeah. it's about life. It's not about going to some corporate training to some conference. It's right. really right. about learning some things that are impactful that are going to affect the relationships that you have in your lives. Yeah. And being able to do that, to learn and listen with empathy is, um, is again, one of the the most beautiful things. My son is, he's just started high school and he's playing football and he's the only one in the junior varsity who wants to play quarterback. So he was thrilled. So he was thinking, wow, I really get some play time here. And then we're a small community. So he heard through the grapevine that there was a new student coming, same age, wanted to play the same position. And so initially he got a little anxious about it, but what I was so proud of was that he could put that aside and be empathetic. So instead of worrying about it, he contacted him. He invited him to meet some of his friends. He invited him to go to the gym and work out. He invited him to join the team and come to practice. And I was just so incredibly proud that instead of worrying about it, he just took the initiative and made a connection with someone. And I think. Empathy is is such a gift you can give your children by demonstrating it. And even if you're frustrated, demonstrating to someone that we're not sure, there's all those unknowns, and to give someone the space and grace and help them through what might be a difficult time. He's getting more natural at that, and it's really exciting to see. Wow. That's a really powerful story. Um we we read the news headlines. We know what's going on out there with our youth. Yeah. To to hear about a youth that can willingly set aside their own needs, their own anxiety about it, and reach out to someone to create that comfort and that connection uh, is incredibly inspiring. Yeah. Well, don't be fooled. He does want that position. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he does. Help that help that new person feel welcome and uh, belong to something. 
where uh, he was, he, you know, he identified that it may be more difficult for this other child than it was for him. So that was really great to see. Wow. It almost starts to speak to, um, you know, a recent conversation that we had about leadership and how, you know, the old model of leadership is like, you know, climbing that ladder and kind of knocking people down and on your way up. Yeah. It's not the way, it's not the way it should work. And that's, it's not the way we um, create connection and belonging. Um, and so your son is just exampling maybe a new way of, yeah, I can still strive for that position. I can still work hard and, and achieve something, but I don't have to do it at the expense of others. Yes. And, and I don't know if you've ever heard Bob Chapman tell the story of helping, of being at a really close friend's wedding and seeing his friend walk his daughter down the aisle to, you know, sort of air quote, give his daughter away. And, and the concept is so much deeper that this is his precious child. Mm -hmm. And I take that with me everywhere. When Nate will tell me a story of someone having an, you know, an uncomfortable situation, um, I was like, that's someone else, you know, how much I love you. Somebody else loves that person that much. So we can't be, we don't have the right to be dismissive with other people. We don't have the right to prioritize our needs ahead of someone else's. And it's, again, it's so great to see it in action. You know, you can talk about it all day, but when you see people around you living it by hopefully part of the experience you've given them, it's really rewarding. So I will, I'm happy to continue to do this work because every time I teach, it really sets up the foundation a little firmer each time so that it's not as much energy output to be able to access these tools. Yeah, becomes just more part of your being, just natural. And it sounds like it's become natural for you to start to impart it upon the young people, your, your son in your life, without them going through class. It, it would be difficult to have children younger because there would be the, um, the thought of perhaps pigeonholing them with the whole disc, whether they're dominant or whether they're influential or whether they're service or whether they're, you know, that's conscientious. And let them be whoever they're going to be. Let them try on different different characters, different facades for all their life and let them figure out who they're going to be. And in the meantime, before they are 18, there's still a great number of skills that we can impart that they can use. I mean, I wish I had this from a much earlier age. I'm just really thankful that I've been able to expose my son for half of his life to some of these wonderful tools. Yeah. So let's... Um... Let's break it down practically. You know, Adam's over here waiting in anticipation for like, you know, the top 10 things he should do for his young daughters <laughs> in order to raise them to be awesome young people like you're describing your son to be. We have a lot of our participants wanting to know, how can I, how can I teach my kid this? How can we get this into the hands of youth? How can we? And, and they're looking for some sort of prescription or some sort of class or some sort of magic elixir that we're just going to give to people where all of a sudden we feel like our youth are understanding these, these core concepts and these key skills. But I feel like that might not be the answer, that maybe it, it lies on us and how we're interacting with them. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I really do believe that we can and do influence our children. So why don't we take the time 
to choose how we want to influence them. And Adam, you said your children are very young. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest things that if, if you asked for one tip from me, it would be to take whatever information that they bring to you and feel it empathetically and as seriously as they do. You know, perhaps your daughter comes home from preschool and someone's really hurt her feelings and, you know, you've had a rough day and you're thinking to yourself, well, you had a rough day, I had a rough day. (laughs) That's nothing, you're gonna get over it. But when you can embrace whatever experience they had on their level, it makes them, in my opinion, what I've seen, want to come back to you. So each time through Nate's life, when things have been difficult, that in the big picture, they may be small. Our life experiences as adults and as parents, we realize some of these things are small. But to say, wow, that was probably really hard for you. What I found with that is then they're going to want to come back and share with you. Because, you know, in preschool, it may be really minor, but at 10, 11, 15, 18, it might get more interesting, um, if, for lack of a better term. And if you have a history of listening and being empathetic, they're going to want to continue to share. I appreciate that inv- uh, advice. Um, she's going to start preschool here in two weeks. Yeah. Um, I know because uh, she hasn't been in daycare. We've been lucky enough to have her home and have family take care of her. I know that there's going to be a lot of little things from my perspective that are upsetting to her. Mm-hmm. So trying to find the right way to discuss them with her and listen to her is going to be, I think, pretty important. So she doesn't start to shut down. Yeah. And, you know, so a lot of times when our kids go into daycare, it's because we're busy working parents, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've had a busy day and we pick them up at the end of their day and you just, you you still have a um, to-do list. So you're like, okay, I got to get the kid. I got to pick them up. I got to make dinner. You have all of these things still on your to-do list. And it's really important. And I urge you to at the very least take the time in that drive from daycare to find out everything that they want to share with you about what their day was like and do your very best to be present and listen because it's setting up the framework for the future. That being present, I think is very important. And I've said this multiple times on our podcast about like myself being very technology driven, being on my phone, looking at emails, sometimes just not doing anything at all. And she has said to me, Hey, will you come play with me? And I'm on my phone. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, go put your phone somewhere else, man. Go put it in a drawer, turn the volume up in case somebody calls. But other than that, you have to really make conscious effort to, to give them time. Otherwise, minutes go by and next thing you know, hours have gone by and I haven't utilized the time that I really should have. The days are long, but the years are short is so true. when you took the class and started coming back home and thinking about incorporating these skills do you remember um what some of the early skills one of the first things you started doing what was one of the first ones you started incorporating just what we were talking about being present and really listening and taking into account that if dinner's late or if bedtime is late it really doesn't matter taking the time not to miss those little gems as your kids are growing and, and just really being present with them, listening to them with true empathy 
And, you know, even as a, as a youngster, that whole concept of children or we all, you know, do things for our own needs. You know, we all do things to get our needs met. Right. And realizing what their needs are and how when your child is young, the series of needs are relatively limited and they continue to grow as they get older, but thinking, keeping that in mind, you know, why is your, is your, does your kid need to clean their room because you just said, I need you to clean your room or do, you know, that sort of thing. And realizing what can help motivate them and and those issues, making them part of all the, as many decisions as is safe for the age of your child, keeping them in the mix. I hear you talking about two different things there too, like giving them some sort of um, locus of control, like some sort of ability to influence their own lives and develop that motivation. But I also think about like their needs and maybe when they're acting out, especially um, we attribute that often to young kids, um, they're also trying to get a need met then. They just maybe can't articulate it or don't know what it is. And we see that as a negative behavior instead of what might really be going on. Do you have any insights for that? Yeah, what most often is going on is there is something under, you know, what all all behavior, all of our behavior is a product of what? It's a need that we have and what is that need? And that's what I mean by those needs grow exponentially as our children get older. But rather, you know, especially when you identify something different in your child, oh, he doesn't usually do this. He's usually really sweet. What is going on? And to be able to step back and have a little perspective where you're not right there and you're not taking it personally, to step back and and whether you give them just a little space and grace or say, you know, this doesn't seem right. Um, We're not going to Oftentimes with my son, I'll say, we're not going to go there right now, but I want you to think about why it is you're acting this way and we can talk about it. Um, yeah, that's that's a great reminder as far as those needs that we have and we all do it. And oftentimes we are the ones who are acting strange. Nate will say to me, mom, what's the matter? You're not acting like yourself. Mm. He's identified behaviors in me that I wasn't aware I exhibited. And evidently I do on a regular basis. <laughs> So that's the other thing is be willing to learn even about yourself from your kids, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I realize when I need to turn away from the stove, you know, you said dinner can wait. It's, it's, there's a certain tone of the voice in the story that's being shared with me from school, or it's the, I've like moved across the kitchen three times and he's tracked with me directly those three times or I'm like, Oh, memo to me. <laughs> I need to stop and I need to turn away from the stove and focus in. Um, and, and some of that's being aware um, first and foremost, and maybe even setting our own needs aside. And then it's dialing into that, that being present. Um, and then you had mentioned, uh, you know, a classic door opener. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Are those some of the things that you've been practicing with your son over time? It's, it's interesting because if I, it's sort of a family joke. If I, if anyone says, tell me more about that, everyone will sort of break into snicker and (laughs) that thing again. But if you find a phrase that gets the same concept across that works and because Nate is a creative thinker, when he's having a problem or an issue, I'll say, tell me what that looks like to you. Oh, so really write the story and give me some creative 
coloring to that story so I can really see it the way you see it. So, you know, try them on, try them out. And it's, it feels really odd and sort of foreign at first when you're saying those things. Find what works for the recipient of your message or find what sounds natural to you. But those are great ways to keep the conversation going. And I hear you using a door opener to actually create one of the concepts of empathy, your ability to see it as he sees it in a way that he sees it his color and his creativity, mm-hmm. not maybe my life, it would be an outline form with bullet points. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I want shape, I want form, I want color. But yeah, it's, it's we all go about things differently. We're all unique beings. You know, we're, we're all of those representations through the disc and then so many more layers on top of that. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's there's so many things about about having a child and raising a child and, it's a bit of a crapshoot, um, but if we stick with it to the end, we start to see some really great things. And, you know, having Nate with this other child who's just moved into the school district, um, I ran into his parents for the first time at a scrimmage the other night, and they were like, you're Nate's mom? He's so much. We just love him. He made Hunter feel so comfortable, and I was like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I'm like high-fiving you right now, like through the screen, like parenting wins. <laughs> Most of the time. Most of the time it does. One of the topics, you know, we've been talking a lot about kind of the listening skills and the empathy skills. Um, what happens for you when maybe you're having conflict with your son or maybe he's having conflict with others? How do you guide through those, those really core skills of effective confrontation? With my son, it's making a situation uh, comfortable for him. So there was a there was a situation at school, and a friend of his was having some issues, and he was playing around. And this child got really offended how Nate was playing around. So he sort of chased after him to apologize that he got his feelings hurt. And um, then the next, then at the end of the day, Nate told me about it. And I said, wow, that must have been really hard that this, you know, your friend felt badly. And I said, yeah, and I couldn't find him. And I had to do this after school program. And so I said, well, did you contact him? And so much is what they're used to. And he said, yeah, I texted him and he's not returning my text. He's not answering. And the next morning um, he rides Nate's bus and we drove past his school. And I was like, well, do you want to stop at his house? And he's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I said, it's, it's entirely up to you. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. So he goes, I want to stop. But he was so nervous. He said, will you walk to the door with me? And I said, yes, but I'm not. Once we get to the door, it's all you. Mm-hmm. He was, we got to the door and that's part of being, you know, a teen and a tween is it took a half a second for them to apologize, <laughs> reconcile and jump in the car. What a great thought for for him to teach me too, not to let things drag on. Mm -hmm. You can advocate for yourself and fix a situation that was otherwise really messy. And I know for myself, I I want to fix things. I am not comfortable when things are uncomfortable. I don't have a problem saying I made a mistake or I messed up. But I know with my husband, for example, I know the timing has to be right. And so he has taught me more patience than even the horses and the child. (laughs) I have to let him be himself and give it some time and then go back to it. So it definitely depends on the situation. And um, 
taking the time to go about it in a way that the recipient can hear your message. So creating that comfort and, and that willingness to not let things drag on. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's sticky and remembering that all of this conflict is just a starter conversation. When you have a conflict with someone and you want to resolve that, the longer it's been going on, the longer it may take to resolve. So it's never a pretty little package that you're going to put a bow on it. Uh, But if you stay with it and it's a relationship that you care about, you want to endure, if you stick with it, you can get to the other side. That's great. Thank you, Mary Margaret. We are so enjoying our conversation with you. I feel like I've come up with about three more podcast topics that we're going to call you back about someday and talk about. Um, I'm sure our listeners are really enjoying where this is going, except we're getting close to time. Okay. Um, So I'm going to ask you one of our kind of more wrap up questions. Anything that you want to inspire our listeners with, any um, aha or insight that we haven't touched on that you are just burning to make sure that people have the opportunity to hear? When there is an opportunity to listen, don't miss it. We're given opportunities all the time and oftentimes we miss it. And if you are aware enough that you have missed it, go back and say, hey, you know what? I think you were saying something there and I think I'm going to miss it and see what you can learn. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Adam, I'm going to ask you, you know, we've talked all the way from preschool to tween to teen, and we touched on adult for a hot second there. Um, Any other parenting questions you have for Mary Margaret as it relates to these skills, um, especially for your young ones? I think you talked a little bit about choice, um, giving them a choice so they have a, you know, an opportunity to have control over their life. And we try to do that a lot with our three-year-old. When that opportunity comes and she's not making a decision, what are your general thoughts about moving? Sometimes you need to move things along. Yeah. You know, they need to get ready. You need to get out the door. Right. (laughs) When at that age, I give them choices that, I can live with whichever one they choose. That's a good way to put it. Relatively limited at that age and be, do you want to leave the house in 10 minutes or five minutes? Those kind of things are are easier versus those really wide open ones at three, you might be there all day. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There are times where it's, uh, you know, red shirt or blue shirt. It's pretty much all the same. Let's, that's just, but sometimes she doesn't want to make that choice. Yeah. Well, you could give her the option to make the choice, or if she'd rather, then you're happy to make the choice with her. I have said that before. I have done things like that. And uh, I think uh, what I'm going to take away, one of my key takeaways from listening to you guys talk today is definitely be ready to listen when she has something to tell me um, and listen at her pace. I think that is something at a three-year-old's pace is definitely different than ours. You know, it can take her a moment or two to get something out whether she's processing it or whatever's going on in her adorable, tiny little brain of (laughs) wonderful brain of hers. Um, Just be ready to wait for it and have the patience. Because it'll pay off in dividends when your teenage daughter comes to you and talks to you about something that she's trying to deal with at school, that you're the person she wants to talk to. It's hugely rewarding. Well, that is the goal to be there and be ready for that and to not be scared (laughs) with whatever topic could be. Yeah, I was going to say one of my, um, 
as I'm just listening to this whole conversation, as I kind of just reflect on it, um, I, I really want to encourage our listeners that we don't have to necessarily teach a class to the preschoolers about empathy. Instead, we need to be empathetic with our preschoolers. Yes. We don't have to teach our, teach our tweens and our teens to handle conflict well or how to listen. Instead, we need to do that with them and they will learn by our example. Right. We have that ability to influence um, and we have power over our own choices and our own behavior. But that power comes with such a responsibility because we're teaching, especially the young people around us. Definitely. It's, it's a gift that we have to model behaviors we would hope that they choose to exhibit in the future. Thank you both for joining us today. Mary and Margaret, I hope that your son has a uh, wonderful football season and good luck to him. Thank you. If you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylessons.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message. <laughs>